Live from the MacGyver Project Studios in sunny, warm Wisconsin, it's Nick with the Olympic Legends Podcast. Well, technically it's not live as you're listening to this, but it sounds good, so let's leave it in. Uh, thanks for joining me on this first episode of Olympic Legends. Uh, my reason for doing this podcast is that I love the Olympics and I thought it would be fun to talk to athletes who are involved and hear their stories. Uh, you'll notice there's no entrance music. Um, there's a lot of great Olympic themes out there, um, but I don't have the rights to any of them. So just take a moment to sing it in your head. I think that should be allowed. Uh, so my guest tonight is Barry McGee, uh, the bronze medalist in the marathon at the 1960 Olympics in Rome. I talked to Barry for almost an hour and had a fantastic time. Uh, sadly, you're not going to be able to hear any of that because I had a technological uh, catastrophe and lost the audio. Uh, we were just wrapping up around the 58-minute mark when GarageBand, my recording software, abruptly stopped. Uh, the Skype call disconnected and my computer froze. I had heard of similar snafus happening to people uh, where they've lost audio, and I figured it happened to me at some point. I just didn't think it was going to happen on the very first one. But now that I got it out of the way, hopefully it won't happen again. Um, so uh, obviously it's not ideal, but it's a good learning experience. I learned that GarageBand has some limits, and you can't just record indefinitely. Uh, but fortunately, Barry was willing to take uh, was willing to talk to me for a few minutes when I called him back, um, so you can at least hear him a little bit. Um, and before I play the audio, I'll do a short summary monologue of what we talked about so that you get a sense of our conversation. So Barry is from New Zealand, and he started running when he was 12 years old at a Harrier club, which he said is like an athletic club. Uh, he started running because he got an, a finger injury from playing uh, rugby football. And when he was running... Uh, initially, he did not have much speed and didn't win many races. It wasn't until he moved to the longer distances that he started to stand out a little bit more. And um, he worked with a coach named Arthur Lydiard, who at one point was named by Runner's World magazine as the best running coach uh, of all time. Uh, so he was a legendary genius running coach who um, was really ahead of his time. He was very innovative and did a lot of what today we would call sports science. Uh, a lot of things that other programs or uh, countries weren't doing and that helped New Zealand have quite a uh, mark in the 1960s in the running world disproportional to their population. They won a lot of medals and had a lot of success, uh, mostly thanks to his coaching. And he worked with Barry and had a big, huge impact on his life. So regarding the Olympic marathon, I asked Barry if he had any expectations going into the race. And he said he always tried to win every race he entered, but realistically he... Um, wasn't really expecting to medal. He was hoping for it, but it wasn't like he was a favorite. He wasn't even ranked in the top 20. And I should mention that the uh, marathon in Rome in 1960 is one of the most famous talked-about marathons ever, and 
that's one of the reasons why I um, reached out to Barry so early on in this project um, or this podcast. He was one of the people that I thought of to talk to because I've always been interested in this marathon. So a couple of interesting things about this marathon or unique things. Um, well, number one, it's in Rome. And so you have all the history there and the, you know, running past the Colosseum and the ancient ruins. So that part of it is pretty neat. Um, it's the only marathon that, uh, does not start and end in the Olympic stadium. Um, and it's the only marathon that was run at night. It started at twilight, um, and then ended in total darkness. The last, um, quarter of it was basically in the, in the dark. Um, and so, uh, that's pretty amazing. And then the winner of the marathon was Abibi Bikila from Ethiopia who ran in his bare feet. Um, and that's incredible to me that not only do you run a marathon in your bare feet, but you win and you also set an, a world record at the time. So, uh, that really just blows my mind and it's dark, it's nighttime. <laughs> um, so definitely a great story. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I was interested in learning more about this, uh, this marathon. Barry said that at the start of the race, uh, one of his countrymen noticed a BB Bikila who at that time was an unknown, um, in his bare feet and made a comment, something like, Oh, well, we don't have to worry about him. <laughs> uh, so and that was a famous quote and something that that poor guy was not uh, ever able to live down. <laughs> And then once the race began, um, it was still light and, and people could see, but it got progressively darker. And by the 30 kilometer mark, uh, or about three quarters into the race, it was pitch black. And Barry said there were Roman soldiers with flames lighting the road. That was the only source of light. Uh, there were also cobbles periodically in the road, like cobblestone and you couldn't see where they were. And so periodically you'd run over one with your foot and it was, um, challenging. And it just further underscores the amazement of a BB Bikila running in his bare feet over these cobbles. And because it was dark, Barry had no idea where the competitors were or how he did when he finished. He was by himself at the end um, and he didn't know who was in front of him, who was behind him. He had no idea how he had done. There's no, um, you know, big clock with, a, a the time like there is today. And so he finished, uh, the race, which is at the Arch of Constantine and somebody told him he won the bronze. And so he was elated, uh, just really, really happy to hear that. A few other interesting things that he told me about the race. Uh, one was that um, the reason that it was at night was because um, the week before, a Swedish cyclist had died in the heat uh, or during the day. And so they uh, it was really hot and they wanted to uh, not have it be too hot for the marathon. So that's why they had it at night. And he also said that there were no um, spectators in the crowd at least for the um, final uh, part at night uh, because they were concerned that someone might try to sneak in 
or um, do some type of cheating uh, where you um, go into the race toward the end. Uh, so uh, in that final stretch there uh, where it was totally dark and it was just the Roman soldiers on the side of the road with torches, uh, quite a scene. He said the medal ceremony was about an hour after the race right at the Arch of Constantine, so right in, during the night there, and uh, that the medals were presented by uh, Lord Burghley, who was the inspiration for uh, Lord Lindsay in Chariots of Fire, which is one of my favorite movies, so I thought that was cool. I also asked him about Abibi Bakila and if he had gotten to know him at all, and he said that um, they didn't speak each other's language, so they didn't really talk, but he remembers Abibi Bakila having quite a presence, and he was around 5'10", but um, Barry said he carried himself like he was 6'10", and he carried himself like a king, uh, which I thought was interesting. And Barry said he still has the bronze medal, obviously, and um, it's one of two um, Olympic medals, or there were two Olympics that had medals like this where there's actually a chain that went with the medal, and he's... Um, Showing it to people, visitors, when they come over, and um, a lot of people are moved by it. And then as far as what he's doing today, he is uh, still actively coaching. Um, I asked him if he was running, and he doesn't run anymore. He stopped when he was 69, but even in his 60s, he was running marathons and, and, and uh, winning races. Uh, but he's still very involved in the running community. He... Um, also travels a lot, like he, um, uh, he said he was invited to the uh, Los Angeles 1984 Olympics, and uh, more recently he's been to the Boston Marathon last year, and he said that there's a, a Lydiard, uh, his coach, um, Lydiard School, or um, something in Ohio, um, maybe a track that's named after him, but he was recently in Ohio uh, for a little... Um, ceremony involving um, involving Lydiard. Um and he coaches uh, kids as young as 13 and also uh, people as old as 69 um, and so he coaches people of all ages uh, which I think is awesome it's very cool I also asked him um, what are some things that Lydiard really valued like what were some of his core tenets and um, a few things he mentioned uh, one of them is just about putting in the work whether it's sun, rain, or hail, um, you got to put in the work. And it takes um, sometimes three to ten years in order to get the kind of endurance necessary to be a champion. And uh, he also emphasized distance over speed, saying that speed is natural, but endurance and stamina is improvable. And he, um, Barry mentioned uh, Peter Snell, one of his... Uh, compatriots from New Zealand, um, another great runner, and um, he was an 800 meter specialist. And um, but he ran 100 miles per week. And Barry's said there aren't too many 800 meter runners who who do that. But the idea is that you um, you know run the long distances, and then your natural speed will take over. Um, and it's interesting because my track coach when I was in high school was the opposite. Uh, he 
we pretty much did all speed work. I was a miler, miler and two mile runner and all we did was speed training. And sometimes I remember thinking, wouldn't it be good to run some longer distances instead of just sprinting all the time? Um, but, uh, I guess my coach wasn't, a disciple of Lydiard, unfortunately. So that's my, uh, recap of the conversation I had with Barry. Uh, so now I will, um, play the part of our conversation that, um, I was able to save. This is, um, what happened after my computer froze and then I called him back. Hello. Hey Barry, this is Nick again. Oh, hi there. Hey, I have some, I have some kind of bad news is that I unfortunately lost the audio we just recorded. This is my, uh, my first time doing this and I'm not sure exactly what happened, but my recording system, uh, uh, hit some kind of endpoint, and then my computer froze and I couldn't save it. So unfortunately, our, uh, our conversation, uh, is lost, but I certainly had a good time, so it's not not lost on me. <laughs> oh, how about that? Never mind. Um, you may have learned something today. I did. It is, and you, you'll probably be able to remember lots of it anyway. All right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever. But any, anyway, that's um, yeah, that, that's a bit sad for you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. But I guess <laughs> yeah. it's a good. Uh, Good, good lesson for the future to try to figure out a way to not, not have that happen. But um, yes, yeah, I know. Well, about once a year we have a little team of video people come and visit us from a university, and that's part of the part of their teaching and their learning is to record and to interview and and mm-hmm. do all sorts of things like that for their particular degree. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah, uh, it's just you know, so just another day for Barry. <laughs> Yeah, no, but only only too happy to help you know in anything like like that. It's um, I still live in you know a world of sport and a world of athletics and running. Yeah. So um, where some of my teammates that you know they just moved on from there. They just um, it's not part of their life at all. But I'm still a full time coach, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right right in the middle of it, and um, I've just booked uh, got a fly. Off to New Zealand championships and for secondary schools and uh, mm. high schools, you know, in just a few weeks' time and coming up, etc. So I'm all booked to go for that now. Well, I don't want to take up um, too much more of your time, um, but if you had even just a few minutes where we could get a little bit of audio to include, maybe well, we just, just kind of just, just do the important stuff. Yeah, let's yeah maybe let's hit the the 1960 Olympics again. So um, we talked a little bit about um, the how how the um it, it was it was a night and you couldn't couldn't actually see um you know toward the end of the race it was pitch black mm. yeah the last the last forty five minutes particularly of the race was yeah. very dark mm-hmm. you could see nothing yes it, it was like when we started at about five p m uh, but it got dark yeah about got a past six and um half past six, yeah, and we were running we were running in the dark and the last um no, six to eight miles, probably eight eight miles, probably all in the dark. Mm-hmm. And that's that's unique in history, never been done before. And uh, uh, and of course, the only lighting of the last six miles down the Appian Way was 
I'll call it miles because you're an American. <laughs> Our last six miles in Effingway was some Italian soldiers had flaming torches on each side of the road which sort of flickered and gave shadows. Mm-hmm. And um, so the most difficult part of the last six miles was was the cobblestones. They, they were, you couldn't see where you put your feet properly. And uh, I know I had to slow down for each time I hit the cobblestones. <laughs> but uh, you, and of course we finished in the dark at the, at the Arch of Constantine, and uh, and for me it was well I think I've never I've um, in all my 50 years of racing and I never had the satisfaction that I felt and experienced and when I found out I was third place in the Olympic marathon, this great Olympic marathon in the Rome Olympics, and I was third place um, for Little New Zealand with only two million people. And um, it would achieve a bronze medal in the Olympic marathon, and um, it was a very, very satisfying feeling at, at sort of achieving the goal. It's hard to be excited after a marathon because you, you're so tired. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've done one yet, but um, <laughs> I haven't. No, six, six miles is about as, for, as well, far as I've gone. Twenty-six miles, you know, you're pretty stuffed, <laughs> and so it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> but I mean, what it was is a great feeling of satisfaction of mission accomplished. And um, really, the color of the medal didn't seem to matter <laughs> that, that day. It was just to be to be in the top three and get an Olympic medal was um, just the most satisfying feeling that an athlete um, it could experience, particularly a runner like me, who was, as I call my story, you know, what God can do with a nobody. And um, or and uh, when I speak to high schools, I keep it. Um, I really entitle the talk um, how dreams can become reality, and never, 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 never lose hold of your dreams. And so, and I dreamt when I was 13 years of age that um, somehow I was going to be, I was, I was a winner in athletics somewhere in the world, and I, I never, I never. But it took 13 years for that to happen. <laughs> so my dreams you know, came true beyond um, my wildest imagination. And uh, Rome was sort of the climax of um, of the marathoning, of everything, all the marathoning that I did. And um, and then we followed that up you know, with some great track performances and in in. Um, yeah, in the following the following year with a European tour of being ranked number two in the world for 5,000, number one in the world for 10,000, and first equal for the marathon, and all from the boy who was absolutely a nobody and a nothing. So I think it helps to inspire and encourage, particularly young people, not to lose sight of their dreams, just to truly go for it. And um, who knows what, what anyone might do if they can dream big enough. Yeah, well, um, I, I think what I'll do is I I remember enough of what you said, and so I will um, I think maybe just kind of summarize it a little bit. Um, but I'm glad to at least have you kind of at least share a little bit so people can can hear you. Um, and yeah, I really do appreciate your time, um, and uh, it was really really fun talking to you. And um, like I said, I'll send you a link when I'm when I'm done. Uh, so I'm sorry we're not going to get the whole. Yeah, no, only, only, only too happy to uh, help uh, Nicholas because uh, I think you've got a lovely surname, Swedo. I've never never met a Swedo. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're a unique bunch. 
<laughs> I believe you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to um, to talk to you. All right. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Same bye to you. Bye. All right. Bye bye. So with that, I want to say thank you again to Barry for talking to me and being my first guest. He was great to talk to and very kind, and I had a lot of fun sharing some memories with him. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention that we talked about a little is uh, New Zealand in general, and I said that I've never been there, but I hope to go someday, and that it's my favorite national anthem. Um, I haven't heard all the national anthems in the world, but I know a lot of them from watching soccer. Uh, And of the ones I've heard, I think the New Zealand anthem... Um, God Defend New Zealand is the best. Uh, And I'd like to thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me at sweeto37 at gmail.com or on Twitter at uh, Project MacGyver. I'm going to try to get this on iTunes in the meantime. Uh, So thanks again and good night.